Welcome back to the Bearing Precious Seed podcast. It is so good to be back with you. These last few weeks have been uh, quite rough, quite tough, and quite joyful all at the same time with a family member passing away and graduating college and, and all sorts of things have taken place here of recent. So I'm so sorry for the lapse in, in podcasts, but we're hoping to pick it up during the summer and to give you content that will help you in your spiritual growth and in your physical life. Again, to remind you, we are dealing with Satan's devices, or what are his methods, what are his devices to keep you as a saint of God, if you're saved, you're a saint, in a sad, doubting, questioning, or uncomfortable condition. Let me ask you in your Christian life, are you sad? Are you doubting? Are you questioning? Or are you uncomfortable in your condition? And Satan wants to keep you that way as a Christian. But I'm telling you, we can learn his devices that he uses. And we can learn how to go against them and to have victory and remedies against them. On this episode, we're going to deal with another device that Satan has to use against us. So go ahead, get ready to listen as we deal with device number six. My question to you Do you want to be free from the devices that Satan is using against you? Paul said that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the devil. And I'm telling you, if you want to have victory, we're going to have to learn how Satan works. We're going to have to learn what he's doing to us and how we can have victory over it. You listen in and pay attention and we'll see what God has for the both of us. You're listening to the Bearing Precious Seed Podcast. It's time for the quote of this episode. And anyone who knows me knows I love a good quote. And this one is quite convicting. It comes from the great preacher Leonard Ravenhill. He said this, and I'll repeat it twice for you. A contentious spirit is a sign of immaturity. Ooh. Let me read that again for you. A contentious spirit is a sign of immaturity. That is something great to ponder on. You're listening to the Bearing Precious Seed podcast. Our next game would ultimately decide the NFC East title. But in the first half, the Eagles watched helplessly as the Giants jumped to a huge lead. Can you remember a more one-sided half? I can't believe this. The Eagles are going to be trailing 24 to 3 at the half. You know this is going to be a battle. Let's keep fighting now. In the third quarter, Philadelphia cut the deficit to 14. But New York countered with yet another score. Manning back again. He looks, he fires, touchdown Kevin Boss. And that should wrap it up. The Giants, 31. The Eagles, 10. With 8-17 left in the game, the Giants held a seemingly insurmountable 21-point lead. You got up eyes here now. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're going to test your football knowledge right here a little bit. Big takes the snap. He's looking. He floats it. Good. Ready with the football and selling. Touchdown! Brad Seller! That's big for the strike that quick. The Eagles' hopes have just been heightened. Acres to kick off. It's an onside kick. Covered by Riley Cooper. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! 
the Giants never saw that coming. If the Eagles can score here, you are going to see the Giants very, very nervous. Ball comes back to big. Here comes the rush. He tucks under a man and he's going to run. 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. Back at the 10. Dive down at the 6. Oh, my goodness, the Eagles are alive. Just under six minutes to play. Third down, it goes to big quarterback draw. He's in! We've got a one-touchdown game. This is the type of game where legends are made. MVP, baby! MVP! It is now Giants 31, Eagles 24. It is third and ten. Vic's back. He's looking. Here comes the rush. Vic rolling. He's going to run. Michael Vick has given the Eagles life with 2.41 to go after a 32-yard run. Vick takes the snap. He's back. He's looking. He steps up. He's going to run. He's at the 40, 35, 30. Cuts to the outside. Down at the 19 goes Michael Vick. And that will take us to the 2 minute morning. Hang on to your seats, ladies and gentlemen. This is something special. You better believe there are a lot of nervous stomachs in this stadium right now. Vic in the gun. He's back. He looks. He fires. Complete. And Macklin sidestepped and runs in for the touchdown. Macklin! And this place is in a state of shock. Michael Vick, he's got single coverage. He changes the play, gets it to him on the outside. Macklin avoids the cornerback. This is unbelievable. We are tied at 31. Don't have a letdown now. Make sure we're ready. Don't have a letdown. Be ready for two minutes. Two minutes and overtime. All right, we got the ball back. It's two minutes. And we go win this. On New York's final possession, Philadelphia's defense held, forcing the Giants to punt with just 14 seconds remaining. Down he goes! And the Giants will have to punt. We have seen of miracles and Eagles-Giants game. The punt is Matt Dodge. The Eagles are going to have Deshaun Jackson back, of course. It's a Nuttler. Jackson takes it at the 35, fumbles it, picks it up, looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. Oh! He's going to go! Deshaun Jackson! Oh! Wow! Game over! It's a wrap! Game over! I don't care if he jumps, dives, he's running around, and he is in the end zone! And the Giants fans can't believe it. This was 24-3 at the half. Oh, my God. This was 31-10 in the fourth quarter. And they found a way to win. This is the place. You know, Herm Edwards did it. Brian Westbrook did it. Deshaun Jackson today. Oh, my goodness. In my life, I have never seen anything like this. Never. They're all enjoying the moment. I love y'all. I love it. Go home. Go home. Lost my helmet. I don't care. The Eagles' 38-31 victory over the Giants will go down as one of the greatest comeback wins in NFL history. How about those birds? Though they did not know it at the time, this would be the Eagles' last win of the season. But it was one to savor for all time. Keep robbing you! 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 Keep robbing you!
You just listened to the example of the Eagles and Giants football game. And the reason for that was this. You can be victorious. There are many people in today's day and age in the church who are down and out at halftime. Maybe you're losing poorly and very bad. But I'm telling you, at the end of this race, at the end of your battle, you can be victorious over the enemy. And the Eagles did just that. I love to take worldly examples and take them to spiritual realms. The same way that the Eagles persevered and stayed true to what they needed to do is the same thing you can do, Christian, to win over Satan. We're dealing with device number six that Satan uses to keep you in those horrible conditions. He suggests to your soul that your estate is not good because you can't joy and rejoice in Christ as once you could. Because you have lost that comfort and joy that was once found in his spirit. Satan tells you this. You know the time when your heart was much carried out to joying and rejoicing in Christ. You do not forget the time when your heart used to be full of joy and comfort. But now, how are you fallen in your joys and comforts? Therefore, your estate is not good. You do but deceive yourself to think that ever it was good. For surely if it was, your joy and comfort would have continued. Here is when you, as a Christian with God, will agree with Satan and say this, It is even so, I see all is nothing, and I have but deceived my own soul. The first remedy against this device of Satan is to consider this, that the loss of comfort is a separate adjunct from grace. The soul may be full of holy affections, when it is empty of divine consolations. There may be, and often is, true grace, yes, a lot of grace, where there is not a drop of comfort nor dram of joy. Comfort is not of the being, but of the well-being of a Christian. God has not so linked these two choice lovers together, but that they may be put asunder. That wisdom which is from above will never work a man to reason thus, I have no comfort, therefore I have no grace. That's a lie. I have lost that joy that once I had, therefore my condition is not good and was never good. That's a lie. But it will enable a man to reason thus. Though my comfort is is gone, yet the God of my comfort abides. (laughs) Though my comfort is gone, yet the God of my comfort abides. Though my joy is lost, yet the seeds of grace remain. The best men's joys are as fragile as glass, bright and brittle, and evermore in danger of breaking. Spiritual joy is a sun that is often clouded. It is like a precious flower, subject to fade and wither. You can find some of this in Psalm 63.1, Isaiah 50.10, Psalm 42.5, and Micah 7.8.9. Remedy number two against this device of Satan is to consider... That the precious thing that you still enjoy is far better than the joys and comforts that you have lost. Your union with Christ, (laughs) your communion with Christ, your sonship, your saintship, your heirship, which you still enjoy by Christ, are far better than the comforts you have lost by sin. What though your comforts are gone, yet your union and communion with Christ remains? Jeremiah 31, 18, 19, and 20. Though your comforts are gone, yet you are a son. 
though a comfortless son, an heir, though a comfortless heir, a saint, though a comfortless saint, though the bag of silvers, your comforts, are in fact lost, yet the box of jewels, which is your union with Christ, your communion with Christ, your sonship, your saintship, your heirship, which you still enjoy, is far better than the bag of silver you have lost. I find this quite true. You saw in the book of Acts how everyone was willing to give up their possessions because what they had in Christ was far better than what they had lost. Yes, the least of those precious jewels is more worth than all the comforts in the world. Let this be a cordial to comfort you, a star to lead you, and a staff to support you, that your box of jewels are safe, (laughs) though your bag of silver is lost. When one objected to Phineas's cheerfulness compared to Christ's agony and sadness, he answered this, Christ was sad that I might be merry. He had my sins and I have his righteousness. The third remedy against this device of Satan is to consider that your condition is no different than what has been the condition of those precious souls whose names were written upon the heart of Christ and who are now in heaven and rest in the bosom of Christ. One day you shall have them praising and rejoicing, the next day a mourning and a weeping. One day you shall have them a singing, The Lord is our portion. The next they are sighing and crying within themselves. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why is our harp turned to mourning? And our organ to the voice of those who weep. You'll find that throughout scriptures. Psalm 51, 12, Psalm 36, Job 23, 8, 9, 30, 31. Lamentations finds that quite often. You'll see that this is quite true. Remedy number four against this device of Satan is to consider that the causes of joy and comfort are not always the same. Perhaps your former joy and comfort sprang from the witness of the Spirit He bearing witness to your soul that your nature was changed, your sins pardoned, your soul reconciled. Now, the Spirit may, upon some special occasion, bear witness to the soul that the heart of God is dearly set upon him, that he loves him with an everlasting love, and yet the soul may never enjoy such a testimony all the days of his life again. Though the Spirit is a witnessing spirit, It is not his office every day to witness to believers their interest in God, Christ, and heaven. The Spirit does not every day make a feast in the soul. He does not make every day a day of wavering the wedding robes or weaving the wedding robes. Or perhaps your former joy and comfort sprang from the newness and suddenness of the change of your condition. For a man in one hour to have his night turned into day, his darkness turned into light, his bitter into sweet, God's frowns into smiles, his hatred into love, his hell into a heaven, must greatly joy and comfort him. It cannot but make his heart to leap and dance in him, who, in one hour, shall see Satan accusing him, his own heart condemning him, the eternal God frowning upon him, the gates of heaven barred against him, all the creation standing armed, at least beck of God, to execute vengeance on him, and the mouth of the infernal pit open to receive him. Now, in this hour, for Christ to come to the amazed soul and to say to it, I have trod the winepress of my Father's wrath for you, 
I have laid down my life a ransom for you. By my blood, I have satisfied my father's justice and pacified his anger and procured his love for you. By my blood, I have purchased the pardon of your sins, a freedom from hell, and your right to heaven. Oh, how wonderfully this will cause your soul to leap for joy. A pardon given unexpectedly into the hand of a malefactor when he is on the last step of the ladder, ready to be pushed off, will cause much joy and rejoicing. The newness and suddenness of the change of his condition will cause his heart to leap and rejoice. Yet, in process of time, much of his joy will be abated, though his life be as dear to him as ever it was. The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is to consider that God will restore and make up the comforts of his people. Though your candle be put out, yet God will light it again and make it burn more bright than ever. Though your sun for the present be clouded, yet he who rides upon the clouds shall scatter those clouds and cause the sun to shine and warm your hearts as in former days. God takes away a little comfort that he may make room in the soul for a greater degree of comfort. This the prophet Isaiah sweetly shows when he says this, I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and his mourners. Bear up sweetly, O precious soul. Your storm shall end in a calm, and your dark night in a sunshine day. Your mourning shall be turned into rejoicing, and the waters of consolation shall be sweeter and higher in your soul than ever. The mercy is surely yours, but the time of giving it is the Lord's. Wait but a little, and you shall find the Lord comforting you on every side. I'm telling you, Satan tries to tell you that because you don't have that joy and rejoicing that you once had, that you no longer have it. You know what Satan likes to do with that? He likes to tell people they're not saved. They like to tell people that they're not trusting Christ. I'm telling you, if you are in sin and living away from God, you can make that comeback. But if you're living right and you still feel discouraged, you have those times of depression like Charles Spurgeon had, I'm telling you, those promises of God are still true. You can hold God at His word regardless of your feeling. Though your heart may condemn you, God is greater than your heart. And I'm telling you, Satan wants you to live in yesteryear. He wants you to think back on the past and wants you to live in such a way that you think that your Christian life is not as good as it used to be. But I'm telling you, saint of God, though you're not comfortable now, and though you're discouraged and depressed now, Christ will restore you in such a way, and you can make a comeback. If there's sin in your life, get rid of it. It's only holding you back. The sin in your life is actually hurting you rather than helping you. God is not an angry dad just trying to keep you from fun. He's trying to ultimately protect your body, your mind, and your soul. I'm telling you, we no longer need to live in yesteryear and to ponder on those things, but I'm telling you we can have revival now in today with Christ. You're listening to the Bearing Precious Seed Podcast. It's time for the Christian dad joke that we like to tell on every episode of the BPS Podcast. 
On this episode, we're actually going to give you two Christian pickup lines. So guys, listen in, and ladies, be prepared to hear this one day. I hope not. The first one is, you and me, we're like loaves and fishes. We just might be a miracle together. Ooh, I hope no one says that to a girl. <laughs> the other one is, you must be water, except Jesus turned you into fine. Ooh, get it? From wine to fine. Those are pretty corny. And guys, if you choose to use them, just be careful. You may have to reap what you sow when it comes to those. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling for the heavyweight championship of the world. Are you ready? Wrestling fans, are you For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, from the capital city of the United States of America, Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to this segment of Food for Thought, where we here at the Bearing Precious Sea podcast want to give you food for your thought. We may have discussed this in previous episodes, and we're going to hit it again. My question to you is, I want to expand your reasoning and to expand your knowledge on some things. Is it wrong for Christians to participate and support boxing? Uh, We're touching up upon this again, and I want to bring it to your mind. There's a lot of preacher friends that I have, and a lot of men of God I love dearly that love boxing, MMA, WWE, which is not real wrestling, but nonetheless they love it. My question to you is, though in Scripture I find throughout Scripture that we are not to brawl in such a way, and that even preachers themselves are not to be brawlers. My question to you is, should we support such things that, in all honesty, is very fleshly? As you stand there and you see the men, they're holding up their fists to each other's chins for pictures, and they get ready, they're half naked as it is, and they're all fleshy, angry, and and very upset emotionally oftentimes, And they're wanting to beat the life out of the other person in such a way that could actually kill them. I know that doesn't happen often, but it can. The intention of this is to beat the life out of the other person to submit them and make them unconscious, which is called a KO or a knockout. Should we support such vanity and such, well, honestly, it's just a bunch of sweaty guys beating the life out of each other. I'm not saying I'm against or for it, but I'm questioning if we should support it in such a way. When when you watch it, does your spirit feel rejoiced or does your flesh feel energized, if I was going to put it into words? What a question that we should ponder. You're listening to the BPS Podcast. As always, from the team here at the Bearing Precious Seed Podcast, we want to challenge you, work, for the night is coming.